Hi, you found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary things in this extraordinary time of global quarantine are FaceTiming with long-distance friends, the smell of fresh sheets, and all those overdue library books I have that have now had their fines waived. <laughs> and Lisa Joe, mine are headphones, four pairs on four kids, the internet, which is keeping us connected, and my seedlings, my baby seeds under grow lights in the basement. Friends, may you find joy in today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Okay, this next conversation is part of a fun series we're excited to share with you all. In these days of quarantine and cabin fever, we want to help you and ourselves see our homes less like places where we are trapped with frighteningly low supplies of toilet paper and more like places of refuge and welcome for ourselves and others we love. (laughs) This is the Home Series, stories from our favorite rooms in the house. We hope this series offers you new ways to see your space and a fresh appreciation for all the magic that lives within your ordinary walls. No matter how tired, frazzled, or frustrated you might feel today, take the next half hour to exhale as we remind you how awesome your home and all its stories really are. Christy, today we have a story about a pet peeve of mine. Sure, that's what everybody wants to tune into today. (laughs) But I have a pet peeve when it comes to, and I I feel like this word is used a lot, especially in the church and in the liturgical calendar. It's one of those things we try to build in. We're in the season of Lent right now, so it's definitely a more meditative time of year. And the word that I have a pet peeve about that people tend to talk about and build in to their church cycles and their life cycles is the word rest. Really? Yes. That's your pet peeve? Yes. (laughs) Here's why. I don't understand how the word rest fits in with my ordinary life. Because in my ordinary life, I don't actually have a cabin in the woods I can go out and rest in. Rest feels like a word that I need to have, like, I need to be, like, independently wealthy in order to utilize that word. Like, I need to have maid service and catering services and house cleaning services in order to retreat to my cabin in the woods and rest and reflect. You know, like, rest somehow feels like a luxury. I think that's what the word I'm looking for. You and I tell stories about ordinary life, and rest, to me, does not feel like it fits into that. Now, naps I can fit in. Yes, I'm good <laughs> at Sunday afternoon naps. That I'm excellent at, but I don't actually think that is what is meant when people use the word rest. And so I bring that word to you, my friend, because I know you are one of those people who does talk about rest and how to fit it into your ordinary life. So help me unpack my pet peeve (laughs) when it comes Uh, to rest in this season. That does make a lot of sense hearing you put it that way, because I think I too can have that sense. Not so much that it's a luxury for the wealthy, although I totally see what you're saying. And I think actually there's some truth in that when we're struggling financially or materially. I mean, our lives can get harder in certain ways. So I, I'm i not going to tell you, Lisa Joe, that you're totally wrong here. <laughs> but, and I'll also say, actually, your ability to nap, I think is amazing. I think that totally counts <laughs> it's a as superpower. <laughs> yeah. As 
someone who feels sort of chronically sleep deprived. And I think for genetic reasons, it runs in my family. I'm a terrible sleeper. I struggle to fall asleep. Um, I I can't nap. Even I can lie in my bed with my eyes closed for hours and I will never fall asleep. Like my brain doesn't know how to shut off. I actually think like embracing your God-given physical ability to take a nap is wonderful. <laughs> I like that. that You're giving totally me counts. permission to nap as a spiritual yes, discipline. absolutely. <laughs> because I feel like if I could, I would. <laughs> I want to be able to nap. So there is something to what you're saying. And yet, if rest is a gift from God, which I think you and I would both say we believe, then it I can't believe that it's a gift He only gives if we have a certain amount of money or um, a certain amount of access or privilege or whatever. Um, I don't believe that. So then what, what is the answer? And yet I realize I too kind of fall into a similar rabbit hole. I don't think of it as a money thing. I think of it as a discipline thing. I, if I feel like I'm not getting rest, it's because I haven't been disciplined enough to schedule the vacation or the retreat. <laughs> right. You know, you and see I how know, you said vacation I, and retreat? Like those are words that take you out of your ordinary life, which is yeah. what I tend to think of rest as being too. And like, who has time to do that every weekend? Nobody. Right. No, it's true. And yet... This whole like rest on the seventh day thing. I mean, it is meant to be a pattern, a regular weekly pattern that somehow fits into our lives. So I think it'd be good to tell some stories and try to figure out either how we can do that better or possibly, Lisa Joe, maybe we're already doing it and we just need to lean into the ways that, that we are already resting. I think that could be it as well. Um, but yeah, just, you know, you asked about you know, how do I view the word rest? You're right. I too separate it as something outside of ordinary life, as something that requires scheduling and complicated planning. And um, I want it to happen regularly, but it can't. So every once in a while I get it. I, you know what it is? I feel like rest is the thing that my life tries to make impossible or <laughs> tries to thwart <laughs> at every turn. <laughs> But maybe there's a way where our rest could actually like integrate with our right. lives that rather is what than I want. be this tug of war. Yes. No more tug of war. <laughs> there has to be a way to integrate rest with our ordinary life. There has to be because clearly it's the paradigm God sets up in the beginning if he's calling mm -hmm. the seventh day a day of rest. He's not saying like, you know, take off from your life for three weeks in order to recharge and recalibrate. <laughs> you know, he's not actually saying that. He's like, on Sundays, you should rest or whatever the seventh day was back then. I don't know what they called it. But that's what we're hoping to do today to figure out some very practical suggestions for what rest looks like right there in the middle of your ordinary life, because in the season of Lent, which is happening in the middle of our ordinary lives, it's not like all of us are now having a time out from reality for 40 days. Like, wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, God, <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> God is the Emmanuel who comes with. He's with us in the middle of completely ordinary Wednesdays. And so, rest has to find a way to fit in. So, Christy and I wanted to offer seven practical suggestions for rest right in the middle of your ordinary life. And so I'm excited to hear what yours are. She and I kind of brainstormed between us. But when we wrote down 
you know, what, what we thought of as rest, the words are very random and we don't quite know what the other person means by it. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. I so, am too. The first thing on the list that I wrote was quiet in the car. Which okay. I realize is antithetical to anyone who has tons of children. <laughs> like, how is there ever <laughs> quiet in the car? So this is definitely like the kind of quiet that comes when either you have teens or you've dropped kids off. So there's nobody in the car with you. Or maybe your babies all fell asleep and now you're just alone. So essentially, that's the setting. You are in your car. And in my life, I do a ton of driving in my car, dropping kids at sports. And then they're always, there's always time either where I'm waiting in a parking lot for them by myself in the car, or I'm now driving home after dropping them off and I've got time in the car. Here's what I mean by rest. I used to use that time in order to catch up on things. So... I use the app called Voxer, which is a voice messaging app. And actually, people can also now send messages on Marco Polo or they can send voice notes via just text messaging. So I would have a backlog of messages and then I'd be in the car for 40 minutes and I would spend that time listening my way through messages and responding. And I started to experience dread when I would get in the car because it would feel like, oh, there's like one more place now where there's a to-do list waiting for me. But I would think, I have no other time to do this. I can't just sit at home for 40 minutes catching up on messages and correspondence and teamwork and planning. I need to be productive in my car. And then I just decided one day, no, I don't have to. (laughs) I am the Mm -hmm. boss of my own time and scheduling. And I have decided a place to give myself rest in a very practical way is not to listen to messages in the car, to have Mm -hmm. quiet. So the three things I do now is either I travel in complete quiet, which is surprisingly powerful because you are then alone with your thoughts. And there's something about the motion of the car that helps, that's conducive to thinking, maybe to praying. And by praying, I don't mean, you know, deep, thoughtful prayer. I mean much more like catching up with a friend or directing my worries to God or complaining to God, like, you know, conversational (laughs) prayer. Um, So either I have quiet or I like to listen to music. I'm a kind of person who'll stumble on a new song and then just listen to it a hundred times over, just letting it soak into who I am. Or I'll listen to a podcast and I, I tend to lean toward ones when I'm in the car that aren't too heavy. You know, like I'm not looking now to take on like a brand new brain exercise while I'm in the car. I tend to get in the rhythm of certain people I really enjoy listening to. So Tim Mackey, I talk about him a lot. He's one of the co-founders of The Bible Project. He has a podcast called Exploring Our Strange Bible. And really, it's just a, it's a, all of his sermons that he's preached over the years in podcast form. And he is my favorite by far to listen to. So, but then I also like Dax Shepard's armchair expert, you know, so, but I have found that kind of rest has made noticeable difference in my ordinary life. That was what was surprising to me that I didn't actually have to go on vacation. I simply had to take a vacation from this endless to-do list of catching up Mm -hmm. on messages and simply use that time differently. And that has translated into actual rest in a tangible way in my life. Hmm. I'm realizing, Lisa Joe, that mine is actually connected to yours, although it isn't limited to automobiles <laughs> or Voxer. But I wrote the first thing on my list, I wrote procrastinate. Mm. And what I mean by that is I always feel this temptation if I have finally completed something on my to-do list, some element of work, um, 
there are always more, <laughs> more things on the list coming down the pipeline, right? More deadlines out there. And the temptation is to um, finish one thing and immediately get to work on the next because the work has to be done. Time is right. short, right? And I am learning that if I do that, there will never be a break. Yeah. I have to give the break to myself. And the only way to give myself a break is to say, yes, here is this project or whatever that needs to be done. For me, it might be a writing deadline. For you, it might actually just be like cleaning your kitchen. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. Like, Are you talking to me is. or to our listeners? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you might not have cleaned your kitchen, Lisa Joe. Oh, but I did say that to you this week <laughs> on a Lisa phone call. <laughs> you know, I say this as someone who currently, we're still in this kitchen renovation. So right now in my kitchen, is my washer and dryer sitting next to the kitchen table. <laughs> and not only that, but the sink from our little powder room, that little downstairs yeah. bath, the big vanity with the sink, right. is also in my kitchen. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Plus just a thick layer of dust over everything. So oh. I speak from that, which I and, know. <laughs> and you have house guests in your house. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have people arriving in a couple of hours. Thank you very much. Oh, my word. (laughs) This is why this topic today is so relevant. I feel like I am living in a bit of a tornado, and I cannot do anything to make the tornado go away. It is a, it's a tornado. Well, actually, tornado might be overstating it. It's, it's, it's worse than a tornado in the sense that it's like that constant low hum of chaos. Of busyness and chaos. Yes, and, and it's just always mess. there. Like, it's never yeah. off. Like, think about a tornado. And, of course, I'm not talking – there's nothing good about tornadoes in real no, life. No, But metaphorically speaking, in our lives, a tornado blows in and then blows out again. And so you sort of get to experience, like, the big work project or whatever was happening with the family, and now it's over. But but ordinary life tends to have that low-grade hum of yes. chaos and anxiety at all times that's never yes. off. Yes. Right. And if it isn't possible, actually, to get that to stop, if there is always something else on our to-do list, which for most of us, th- there is, there's something else to be done. Uh, that is just ordinary life, right? The work is, right. it cycles through, you know, we have to eat another meal, we have to clean the dishes again, there's always something. So I have learned that um, when those things are coming too fast and furiously, which is kind of the season I'm in and that I'm talking about, when they're coming at me really quickly, um, the temptation is just to keep going because that feels responsible. Mm. It feels um, like, yes, look at, you know, this is what it means to have a good work ethic. But I've learned that if I am not willing to procrastinate, by which I mean put something off, right. <laughs> say, yes, right. this is coming and there is a due date, but I'm not going to start yet. Right. I'm actually today going to take some time to work in my garden, which to me is is restful, or um, I'm going to take some time to, you know, just be one-on-one with my child or whatever it looks like, read a novel, you know, whatever it is. If I'm not willing to do that, I may, and if I'm not disciplined in that, I may never get a chance to rest because the the opportunities to work might keep coming. But here's what I'll say about what that feels like. It feels scary yeah. because what if I then don't leave myself enough time to get the work done? There is Mm -hmm. always that possibility. And then, and then comes up my sense of failure or my sense of letting people down. And Mm -hmm. so it, it is not, you, you would think it would be an easy thing to do, but I'm not talking about procrastination as avoidance. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like deliberate disciplined procrastination, which says I will not start that project yet. I will not start that job yet because I'm not ready because I need rest. Um, even though I know that I am now opening myself up in in to the possibility that I will fail or I won't do a good job. I mean, that 
that scares me personally, but I'm learning that I have to do it. I have to procrastinate. And you know, it's interesting. Some of our listeners probably don't work from home the way we do. You know, they're working in an office. They have the deadlines of their job community that they have to keep up with. But I often think about that. I, for many, many, many years, worked out of the home in an office too. But I do remember that rhythm of finishing a big team project. And then there really are, even though you're still going to work, they're down days, right? Like they're the Mm -hmm. days where everyone takes a much longer lunch together and hangs out and talks and catches up. Like even in an actual workspace, that rhythm is built in to the culture that recognizes, whew, we all exhale for a moment. You know, you don't turn in a project and immediately your boss puts something down and is like, and I need it by the end of the day. Now, that might happen. Hello, I'm looking at you, law firm that I worked in for a while. (laughs) Um, But in general, most office spaces do tend to have those rhythms. And so on days where I feel guilty about not immediately turning the page to start the next thing waiting on my list, I remind myself, if I were at work right now, I would tell all my coworkers, let's go out to a long lunch. And we would, mm. you know, and then there are days where you might leave early or come in late and your boss is like, oh, we got that thing done. Thank goodness. You know, everybody go home early today. I think learning how to build that in and calling it healthy discipline procrastination. I, I really <laughs> like that. You know, when we were doing um, our Ash Wednesday experience a couple weeks back with our church, one of the things we did when we went through the service is there were different stations set up. And the very first station we walked up to was so interesting, a self-guided exercise. My kids were like, why is that TV on with static? And they had this giant TV screen with just black and white snow static on it. And their point was exactly this, what you're talking about. They said, life is so full of noise and chaos. It's really hard for us to tune out of that for a while to come apart and really tune into what Christ is trying to tell us. And so that's what you're describing, I think, the kind of rest that Mm -hmm. says, I have to unplug (laughs) in between things Mm -hmm. in order to reset and begin the next project. So those are good. So, so so far we've had number one, quiet in the car. Number two, procrastinate. These are ways to find practical rest. Number three now is a little more counterintuitive to what you just said, but my number three is called load the dishwasher. Okay. Okay, here's after you just ranted about your crazy kitchen. (laughs) Here's why. So life can feel really overwhelming when your space overwhelms you as you are experiencing in a very literal way right now. (laughs) And so when your house isn't under construction, but it has got that hum of the chaos of children and activities and sports, I have found what would happen is things start to spiral during the day. And by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And that exhaustion might look different for different people in their house. Mine tends to manifest in the kitchen area because what happens is if I'm tired and I'm not keeping up, everything just piles up in the kitchen until there are no clean surfaces and I've prepared several meals and now it's just chaos in there. And then by bedtime, I'm so tired and I just want to go to bed. But then when I wake up in the morning and walk into that kitchen, it is just despair. I feel like I'm starting Mm -hmm. the day behind. And I have learned... A way to give myself rest when I wake up in the morning is that the night before, I just now, it's a non-negotiable, I load the dishwasher. And by I, I I mean my kids. I mean, they're old enough now. Like, they're required to clear their dishes, to put them in the dishwasher. But whoever the person is that's involved, a clean kitchen at night gives me rest the next day. 
And it's strange. It's such a practical thing. Probably most of you listening have been doing that for years. But I used to think the way to give myself rest was just to let it go. But then I would always start the next day feeling behind. And so now, even if I don't feel like it, I just, I call it the reset and I tell our family, everybody's involved. I say, let's reset the living room and the kitchen. Like we're going to reset. So we're ready for tomorrow. And it's not like a huge clean. I'm not getting out the vacuum cleaner. I'm not dusting, but I'm loading the dishwasher. I'm folding all the throw blankets that are like all over the floor by this point. Everybody has to put their shoes into the shoe closet because there's cleats on the rug and sports equipment has to go in the shoe closet. That act gives me such a deep sense of rest when I walk through the next morning that it's surprising to me almost every morning how worth it it is. Reset. I like that. I'm going to use that language. Let's reset the room. Yeah, we reset for the next day. I can't wait to reset my kitchen, Lisa (laughs) Jo. I'm so sorry. But think how beautiful it's going to be when it's finally reset. I guess. I hope so. (laughs) You're you're in the part now where you you can't even imagine. (laughs) Okay. Oh, but so actually the next item on my list is good because it says, um, I wrote down, stop blaming myself (laughs) for, (laughs) and I wrote down the busyness. Um, But I think we could expand that. But I know that I personally succumb. I, I, I make my burdens heavier with my thoughts. Yeah. With shaming, blaming yeah, thoughts. Right. So when life is really fast and hurried and busy and I feel like I need rest, I make the problem worse by telling myself it's my fault. Yes. If I were better at life, if I were a better wife and mom, if I were a better worker or, you know, productive citizen, I would have figured out how to weave in rhythms of rest. I would have solved this problem. And the fact that I am not the fact that I'm struggling to find rest is my fault and therefore somehow makes me even less deserving of rest. Right, <laughs> it right. this sort of shame spiral. spiral. <laughs> yes. And you know, yeah. this is why last week's episode has been so yes. powerful and I keep referencing it to you. If you haven't listened, oh my gosh, I feel like it's the best conversation we had on the podcast. Last week we so. talked about, you failed, congratulations. Yeah. And it's all about this, about rewriting how we understand failure, particularly from Christ's point of view, this idea that failure is really synonymous with death, and he's always inviting us, come and die. To die is, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if you replace die with the word fail, um, there's a real biblical truth there. So, Christy, that has helped me a lot, too, because I do the same Mm -hmm. thing. I blame myself for whatever the stressor is in my life, and it makes everything worse. But now, now I just go, I failed. Okay, great. Lord, look how spiritual I'm becoming. (laughs) I failed again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do that too. Now I say, okay, wow, I'm really tired. I need rest and I don't know where to find it or how to find it, but I know that this isn't a problem I need to solve. I don't need to think my way out of this. I can just, um, I can look to Christ and, and sort of wait on Him and and take it step by step. And immediately, um, the whole thing feels less hard. And sometimes yeah. that's that's yeah. all we needed is just to put it into context. So, I like that. Yeah. So that's number four. Stop blaming yourself. That's really good. All right. Number five. I have this one. <laughs> PJs should be a no phone zone. Okay. Here's, what I, here's what I mean by that. So when you get to the end of the day and you change into whatever your equivalent of PJs is. So for me, that's like really old ratty sweatpants and my oldest sweatshirt. And I'm comfy. End of the day, hanging out with my kids. Maybe we're watching a show. Maybe I'm helping them with their homework. Maybe I'm loading the dishwasher. That time of day, I know I should not 
open my email on my phone. So when I say no phone zone, I don't mean just, you know, don't even touch your phone, which would be even better, but especially do not give into that just almost unconscious thumb flick to open Mm -hmm. up your inbox because it's there and it has a little number now telling you you have new mail. Because here's what's going to happen. At that time of day, you've actually started to move into rest. You're in your comfy clothes. You are, your brain is not engaged with your workspace anymore. And if you make the mistake of opening up now work while you're in your rest clothes, you drag your brain back into work. And I find I'm vulnerable at that time of day when I'm wearing non-work clothes. And by work clothes, I don't even mean like a suit, you know, but when I've like transitioned into those clothes that tell me I'm about to go to bed or watch Netflix, and then I flick back into work mode, somehow whatever is coming through on the email then feels even more stressful than if Mm -hmm. I had waited till the morning when my brain now is ready to engage work. Then that email doesn't seem so overwhelming. And I feel like, oh, yeah, I can respond to those three things or this bullet point or that change. But when I'm starting to move into rest and I open a to-do, it it just grows. It mushrooms in my brain and suddenly feels overwhelming or I can feel stressed that they want this thing from me now. And then I feel compelled to try to respond to it then. And I've just learned once you have transitioned into your comfy clothes, it should be a no phone zone. Do not open the email. Don't check in with the work messages. Leave all of that till tomorrow when your brain is ready. And I have to tell myself that, no, no, when we don't check email now. Like I have to say, this isn't, nope, we don't check it. Don't open it. And as I feel my thumb doing that little flick, I actually have, before the email's loaded, quickly like close the app, like, wait, wait, no, no, we don't do that. (laughs) We don't do that at this time of day. And that has created actual rest in like a deep soul way where I'm not constantly on and Mm. constantly taking in to-dos. Those can Mm. wait till the morning. That's so good, Lisa Joe. I'm definitely taking that on. Just this week, I was already for bed. Not only was I ready for bed, I was headed into bed. And so I picked up my phone to plug it in so it could charge yeah, overnight. Yeah. And I plugged it in and then found myself yeah. opening up my email. And as I was doing it, I thought, wait, what am I doing? I'm not going <laughs> to stand here and respond to emails. So why, why am why I looking? Am I opening I this? And I think in my head it was. I wanted, I, this is what I wanted. This is what will never happen. Wait, I want I, I'm going to answer this. See, for the same. Did you want there to be nothing so you could right. have peace and go to sleep? Yes. So I could rest. That right? is why I do it too. And that <laughs> never happens. That is, no. that will never happen. Yes. Yes. No. And I realized it as I was opening it. Oh, this is what I want, but I might actually find <laughs> right. some problem in my right. email inbox. And right. then what will I do? I yes. will carry that to bed. So excellent advice. That's yeah, so, practical so good. rest. If you don't look, you don't know. Okay. So here is the last thing on my list. Number six on the, yes, kind number six, right? Number six. And it, I'm realizing now, is related to the others that I mentioned as well, but it'll, it we'll just get more specific here. Um, this is let go of the need to control. So I have realized that one of the enemies of rest in my life is a sense that I need to be on top of things, control things, control outcomes, be vigilant in whatever 
sense. You know, how are my kids doing? How am I doing with my work? Um, is our house being managed well? You know, whatever it is, the need to know, the need to be on top of things, the need to be doing a good job. Um, if I can't let, let that go to a certain extent, it just becomes that much harder to to let myself rest. Because even in those moments where all of a sudden I have time, like I could mm. sit down and read a book or I could go for a walk or whatever the rest is, my brain goes back to sort of these lists of checking. Well, how what's happening over here? How is so-and-so doing here? What's, you know, what, right. what is this? And I, I won't let my brain let go because I have almost this inner sense that if I let go, if I stop thinking about everything so much or worrying about things, somehow maybe something will happen and I won't be prepared or I don't even know what what the twisted thought pattern is. But I'm realizing I have to be willing to, you know what it is? It's similar to sleep. So mm-hmm. when we go to sleep every night, what are we doing? We are shutting out the whole world. We're shutting out all our responsibilities. We're actually even shutting out all other people. Mm-hmm. And we are relinquishing total control. Sometimes that's why like if, you know, like if my husband's out of town, it's harder for me to sleep because I I feel like I need to be somewhat more vigilant. What if a kid coughs in the night or what if there's a noise outside? I have to be the one to be aware and I think that's why it can be harder to sleep um mm. if, you know, I'm home alone for some reason. But the metaphor is always true that when we go to sleep, we are completely relinquishing control of our lives, of our homes, of our safety, of how our kids are doing, all of it. And we are asked by how we're made (laughs) as creatures to do that every night. And I'm realizing I need to learn to do that in other ways beyond sleep. Mm. I need to learn how, if I sit down to pray, to let go of all that other stuff and and just be there in prayer. Or if I know, hey, I have time, I'm going to pick up my book. Um, Let myself just let it go and focus on the book. But that is a kind of mental, I I think it's for me mostly mental, a kind of mental discipline that is harder to practice than than you would think. But it is a lot like letting myself go to sleep. So now I'm realizing too, Lisa Joe, this is maybe why I can't nap. (laughs) It's so hard for me to let go. (laughs) It's such a good point though, control, because um you know, as often our listeners will hear us say, yours a lot of the time has to do with systems and business, mm-hmm. you know, functionalities, things you're trying to run or manage. And I often experience that as I think probably we all do as toward people, like control mm-hmm. when it comes to like outcomes from other people. Often just in our families can be the hardest places to surrender that kind of control. Like what is yeah. my kid doing? What's he thinking? Why did he do that? I have to have this conversation with him or my husband or my aunt or, you know, there's mm-hmm. this incessant need built into us as human beings to try to have other human beings respond a certain way so we can feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's just manipulation. And for years, I had thought I need everybody else to be okay. So I have to do these things to get to them to that place so that I can be okay. And what I've had to learn is to surrender that control and realize that I can be okay, even if other people are making choices that are difficult or hard or make me feel sad or angry. Um, But surrendering control when it comes to other human beings is a really important one, too, in order to find actual rest. Because you can be in conflict, you can be in sadness, you can be in anger, and yet there is actually a place where you can experience rest because you're not trying to force that person to behave a certain way. You've said your thing, maybe you cried, maybe you were angry, maybe you expressed disappointment in a child, maybe you had to set a consequence that was painful, 
And I remember telling my husband just recently, when it comes to our teens, I was had to deliver a consequence that was like, I want to almost tell my kid, oh, why did you make that choice? It stinks so bad that you have to have this consequence. I feel crappy. I know you're going to be mad at me. We were just getting along so great. Mm-hmm. And I told Peter in a phone call afterwards, after the kid had stormed off and slammed a door, I said, it's just so unfair because I feel like I'm, you know, this child is making me feel like I'm raining on their parade and I don't want to. I want to have fun too. Like I also yeah. want to do fun things. And Peter said to me, well, you are raining on their parade. Like that's okay. <laughs> like that is exactly <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> You're a parent. You rained on their parade. They're upset. Guess what? Move on. You know, you don't have to control them. And I tend to want to be like, let's be friends. It's okay. Like I want to skip past the discipline portion. Mm. Um, but Pete was like, yeah, you rained on their parade. They're mad now you know, watch Netflix. Like, you don't have to be now stressed about them. You don't have to manipulate some kind of outcome. And that surrender of that kind of control is deeply restful, too, for the soul. Mm-hmm. I think, you. yeah, this is exactly what we're talking about, is that our ordinary lives will always have something. <laughs> there will always be something. There will be the kid who's mad at yeah. us. There will be the deadline that's looming. There'll be the dishes that need washing. There'll be the kitchen under construction. You know, in different seasons, it'll be better than others. But there will always be some hard things. And and we don't really hardly ever have the option of, of just chucking it all and going, you know, to the know. beach, right? <laughs> It'd be so irresponsible. That's like not rest. That's like somehow neglectful parenting or something. Right. Like social <laughs> services is going to come and be like, we're just resting, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So if this is what life is, and we know it is, how then do we rest? And I think we've, yeah, I think we've put some good, some good ideas out there. And I love that they, they don't ask much of me other than a willingness and a paying attention and they don't need my money. They don't need mm-hmm. my excellent ability to schedule or plan or be on top of things quite the reverse. And um, I don't know. So there's a lot of hope in that, I think. I know. Okay. So here's our last one. Number seven, we promised you seven practical ways to rest in the middle of your busy working life. So one of the things, of course, if you are a good Christian listener, you're thinking, why haven't they talked about Jesus and spending time in the Word and resting in all the ways we're supposed to as Christians? And honestly, for me, for years, when people would talk about how refreshing it was to just read their Bible for hours, I would just think, well, I don't have that, Gene. Like, whatever that is that doesn't feel restful to me, like, that feels stressful. It feels like one more to do. It can feel like a way you're failing. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that there isn't actually just one way to meet with Jesus. I think we talked about that in previous episodes. Jesus meets us in very unique ways. If you look at his life and his story, he was always coming to people, right? He's meeting with them. Like the woman at the well, there he is showing up where water is being drawn. Or... um He's in the temple because he happens to be praying and he goes toward the guy who has a shriveled hand. He's out in the fields crushing wheat with his disciples. He's really with people on the road in their ordinary lives. And so I've started to think more about that, how there's a word, you know, when people talk about having your devotion time or your Bible study, this feels, has always felt to me like it's this outside of your ordinary rhythm moment that I didn't know how to create. And that could just be, and I accept this, like a flaw in me. Like, I think a lot of people somehow do that. But what has worked better for me, though, and so this is my number seven when I wrote it down, I <laughs> the words make me laugh, I wrote down Bible on tape, 
Remember mm-hmm. when we had tape decks and like if you went to the oh. library to get a book on tape, there'd be like 17 cases you'd have to yes. bring home. <laughs> like That's what I picture when I think about Bible on tape and it makes me laugh. But what I really mean by that is just the Bible app on my phone where mm-hmm. I have discovered how powerful it is to let scripture be read to me. Mm-hmm. So I struggle to sit down, open my Bible, and have like an old-fashioned devotional time. I really do struggle to do that. I feel distracted easily, and I my mind wanders. I find Bible reading like takes laborious. It can take me too long. But if you play, you just hit play on that app, and that reads to you scripture while you're loading the dishes or you know, folding laundry, I'm always astonished how many chapters of Bible you can go through and then how it becomes a story and you realize, oh, I'm into this. And so then I'll be like, well, what's a chore I can keep doing because I want to keep listening. So Bible on tape, which is what I like to think of it as, has become very restful for me. It no Mm. longer feels like, oh, this chore I do badly or I don't know how to do. And what can happen is when I'm listening to it like that, then sometimes I'll be like, oh, I want to remember that passage or I want to look that up more. And it will lead me then to opening my Bible or reading or getting out a book to look up something that's more interesting to me. So I just suggest to people finding ways to connect with Scripture and Christ that don't have to look like we're told. They don't have to be this kind of boxed idea, just the way rest doesn't have to look like going off to a resort. It can look like folding the undies while listening to the Bible on tape. Hmm, I like it. That's a really good one. I'm going to do that too. Um, Lisa Joe. I know before we hit record on this conversation, you and I were sort of trading calendar horror stories about <laughs> how much we have going on right now. But I feel like there's hope for us now. I there do. is. I do. I hope so too. I think intentionality is a big part of that. That's, I guess, what undergirds all seven of these is we actually mm. do get to decide. Our lives mm. aren't just on autopilot. They can feel that way. But yeah. these are just some seven practical ways to take back in little areas, spaces, and say, wait a minute, like here I'm going to tune down the white noise here and I'm going to turn it off here and I'm going to build in these small everyday moments. And I really do think when you add them up over the course of even just a week, these practical seven ways of resting, you can arrive at Saturday and feel a lot less flattened by the week Mm. than you might have otherwise. It's ordinary rest. I mean, there yeah. are times of extraordinary rest. Yes, yeah, sure. Which are good you know, too. big vacation or, but I like this ordinary rest. It's good. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.